The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The advocates, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you I am going away and will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Can the teachings of the church change? Think about it. Can church teaching change? What's the answer to that? Yes or no? Well, the answer is yes and no, actually. And if you think about it, one of the, one of the most dramatic changes that we've had in recent history, and it was actually before my time, but the Mass used to actually be said in Latin. Right? So before my time, the priest used to face the back of the, the altar and say the entire Mass in Latin. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not be able to do that right now. I don't even know Latin, and there's no way I'd be able to say Mass in Latin right now. So that's a, a wonderful example of a church teaching that has changed. What about the idea of one of the big debates right now, marriage? Can church teaching on marriage change? Yes or no? Oh, we're not sure about that one. Well, the reality is probably not. The reality is that marriage has always been about a man and woman coming together in union and bringing forth children. So we have a lot of complex issues, and our church has always had complex issues to deal with. And we hear this in the first reading. There was a, a, a teaching of the church that was dramatically changed, and it happened in the first reading today. So. This is before the, the Bible was written, by the way, so it was actually while the church was forming, and this would, would later become the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So there was this big debate about whether or not circumcision, um, whether or not people needed to be circumcised to become members of the church and be saved. So the Jews, who had always followed the practice of circumcision, were, were claiming and teaching that the Gentiles, in order for them to be saved, had to be circumcised. And it had been a long-standing tradition. So there was debate, and there was dissension, and there was um, all kinds of struggle going on within the church. And so Paul and Barnabas were there at the time, and they heard about this dissension and this debate, and they realized it was a, it was a big issue. They realized it was causing dissent in the church, and it was creating divisiveness and division. And so they decided that it was an issue that needed to be talked about, needed to be prayed about, needed to be dealt with. 
And so they all went together and they gathered in Jerusalem. And they gathered there with Peter and all the apostles, and they began to pray about it, and they began to talk about it. And they came to a, a decision with, with, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in unity that, in fact, the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so that was one of the teachings of the church that was formed very early on. So originally the Jews said that they had to be circumcised and be saved, but after debate and de deliberation and and counsel and the guidance of the Holy Spirit under the guidance of Peter, they decided that the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised to be saved. <coughs> well, when they finished this, they wrote a letter and they sent it back to the community. And the letter came from the apostles and the elders, all the wisdom figures of the church, and they said to them, we understand that you have been disturbed. We understand that some of you are upset. We understand that there has been dissension and division. And it's our desire to bring peace of mind and heart to you. And so they say it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you any burden beyond the necessities. So he says that, that, that circumcision is not necessary to join the faith, but he says it is necessary to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meats of strangled animals, and from unlawful marriage. If you keep free of these, you will be doing right. And he ends the letter with farewell. Now the amazing thing is, 2,000 years later, our church will always have tension. Our church will always have divisiveness because we are a sinful people. We're a people that are, that are struggling in redemption with Christ. So 2,000 years later, right now, we have some dissension in our church. Right now, we just saw it. There's some people that believe marriage can be changed, some people that believe marriage cannot be changed. We have dissension right now in our country with all of this. There's a great deal of divisiveness. And the church in its wisdom realized that this was something right now that has caused a great deal of disturbance. And so, for the last two years, they gathered in synod. Now, the, the synod that we heard about in the first reading was the first synod that there ever was when they gathered together in Jerusalem. Well, now we gather together in Rome. And so, for the last two years, all of the bishops and, and some of the, the wise teachers of the church and the Holy Father himself, who represents Peter, gathered together in Rome and they met for two years to talk about marriage and family. And after two years of debating and praying and deliberating and discussion, the Holy Father finally spent about six months and he wrote a letter. And he wrote a letter to be presented to all the people throughout the entire world. And the, the letter is called Amoris Laetitia, which means the joy of love. The letter is 280 pages, so I'm not gonna read the letter to you right now. <laughs> but it is a tremendously beautiful letter. Now, you may have heard some things about this letter, and the Pope says at the very beginning, when he wrote this letter, he wrote it with the intention that it would be read carefully and, and that people would take their time reading it. So to read it carefully and read the entire thing. Now, the difficult thing is some people are pulling out like one line from the letter, and, and they're kind of using that and creating even more division in the church. But just to give you a little summary of what he did in this letter, and it, it, I encourage you to read it. You can go to the Vatican website and read his actual writing because it is tremendously beautiful. It not only gives us the church teaching, but it explains the beauty and the goodness of the church teaching. So first of all, the big question is, did he change church teaching? Has anything changed? And the reality is 
No. He upheld the church teaching when it comes to this, the dignity of life in the womb, uh, especially abortion. He upheld the church teaching on marriage and divorce. He upheld the church teaching on marriage between a man and a woman. What did change, and what is a very drastic change, is our, our approach to it and our attitude towards it. So over and over and over again, he says that we must love one another, that no one is excluded from the church, that no one is to be kept away from the church, that everyone is supposed to be drawn deeply into the love of the church. And he also, and I think so beautifully, has a grasp on the complexities of it. You know, so the difficult thing that someone goes through in a divorce, you know, couples don't want to get divorced. Couples don't go into marriage thinking they're going to be divorced. And, 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 and then the, the complexity of, of when they get remarried outside of the church or, um, you know, the complexity between families and different children. And <coughs> he realizes all of the complexities and all of the di difficulties and he addresses the same thing between a love that two men or two women may have for each other. But he says that, that that's not what marriage is, that marriage is ultimately between a man and a woman, and it brings forth life into the world. And it's a sacrament that reveals God's love to us. Is everybody perfect? No. You know, not every marriage is perfect. I don't know that there's any perfect marriage. There was one, it was the Holy Family. But what he says is that none of this excludes someone from the church. He even says so boldly that uh, a person that is, is divorced and remarried is not excommunicated from the faith. They're actually members of the faith. And, and we're supposed to, uh, to bring them in and, and support them and love them and allow them to be as much a part of the faith as they want and, and can be. So what changed is the, the approach. What changed is, is the disposition that we have towards people in difficult situations. Maybe you're in a difficult situation. Maybe one of your children is in a difficult situation. The reality is that we are called to love. We are called to accept. We are called to continuously invite people into the church. And we hear about this in the second reading, the book of Revelations. So Revelation talks about what it will be, what the church will be, when it's finally complete, you know, when we finally enjoy eternal life in heaven. It says, The angel took me in the spirit on high to the great mountain, show me the holy city of Jerusalem. It gleamed with the splendor of God, its radiance like a precious stone, like jasper, like crystal, massive high walls with 12 gates where 12 angels were stationed, on which the names were inscribed, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel facing the east and the west, the north and the south. What is, what is this symbolic of? The 12 apostles, the 12 that went out to all the earth to proclaim the good news, the 12 that went out to, to all the earth to, to uphold the church's teaching and to also invite everyone into the church. So 2,000 years later, we still have the apostles. We still have Peter, the Holy Father. We still have priests. We still have the wonderful teachings of the church. Can church teaching change? Well, the reality is yes and no. You know, so some church teaching certainly can change. So we hear in the, at the end of the first reading, not to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols. Thankfully in America, we don't do this too often. We don't have people that are sacrificing meat to idols that we have to eat. Um, from meats of strangled animals. I'll never forget, we're kind of anesthetized from this in America. We usually don't see our food directly prepared for us. 
But when I was in Africa, uh, when I was a seminarian, it was my first mission trip, and uh, they had chicken coops and they had bunnies there and we were getting ready to go off the one morning and they were getting ready for dinner and they said, what do you want for dinner tonight? And they gave us options. They said, you want chicken or do you want rabbit or do you whatever? And I jokingly said, rabbit. And so one of the African uh, priests went over to the cage and he held out a rabbit by his ears and he said, you want this one? <laughs> and I said, sure, I've never had rabbit before. Well, that, that night when we came home for dinner, that rabbit was hanging in the back of the kitchen. How many of you have eaten blood from strangled animals? Raise your hands. We probably all have, right? That's a teaching that has kind of changed over the years. But from unlawful marriage, that's one that is not. You know, the church upholds the dignity of marriage. God wants us to experience families united with husband and wife. He doesn't intend divorce. But on the same hand, the Holy Father realizes that we live in a world of mess. We live with divorce, you know? We, we, we live with people that do have broken marriages and broken families, and as a church, we are called to support them as best we can, to love them as best we can, to provide for them, to, to, to help them be involved in our faith in our church. So can church teaching change? Yes and no. But the reality is, ultimately, we're called to love one another, we're called to accept one another. We're called to reach out to broken humanity and help them bring them into the church. As Mother Teresa once said, the church is a hospice for sinners. It's a hospital for sinners. It's a place for us to come and be healed of our sin. We don't have to be perfect before we come to church. And, and the Holy Father says this in the letter too, that the church is not like a toll house. You know, the church is a place for us to come in our brokenness and allow God to heal us and to perfect us and redeem us. Will we ever be there here on earth? Probably not. But one day in heaven, we will experience that holy city of Jerusalem where we all come together as God's one family in love. I encourage you to read Amoris Laetitia in full. To find it, go to the Vatican website, which is vatican.va and click on the link that leads you to the Holy Father's words and his apostolic exhortation, or for a direct link, go to theprodigalfather.org.